What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. Go for it, Mike. <laughs> uh, I'm Mike. I'm a small business owner in Southern California, and I love backpacking and DIY and food and cooking and gardening. I'm Lisa, and I do administrative work for a large Southern California-based company. Uh, like Mike, I also enjoy outdoor activities and making recipes and cooking and baking. Mike and Lisa met through a dating app called Kinked, where you can connect with folks who share your kinks to explore and play with. They had both emerged from long-term relationships that weren't very satisfying, and they were enjoying a very explorative moment in their lives. It's always a funny story because in the beginning, Lisa told me, you know, this is just going to be casual dating. You know, we're just exploring all of these kink elements. And the reason for that was because I had come out of a long-term relationship and I didn't want to jump into anything afterwards. And the more I got to know Mike, the more I felt myself more invested in him. He did a really great job of making me feel seen and heard and creating a safe space for me to share my feelings. Whereas before I was used to being shamed and told how to feel. I think that's also another reason why I've been feeling more and more comfortable with um, exploring myself sexually. Because I'm in a place where I am allowed to talk about the things that I'm interested in, express what I'm interested in. And it's always met with curiosity versus shame. Before long, their kink exploration became more, and they now consider each other primary partners, and their openness and ability to discuss their desires and explore together, that has evolved too. They delved into the swingers community early on, and within two months of starting to date, they had their first swap with another couple, basically trading partners for a night of sex which really just was cathartic and ecstatic, like therapeutic and fun. We started talking about the idea of somewhere down the line hosting a sex party with more people. And that idea sort of simmered for a long time on the back burner. Meanwhile, their network of people in the swinging community grew. And one day, one of Mike's close friends told him about the Boca Negra Club, a private swingers club that hosts sexy private masquerade parties. At first, they really weren't too sure about it. Me and Lisa were both sort of skeptical of the idea of sex clubs because we really enjoy authentic, meaningful connections with other people that we're romantic with. And a sex club sounded impersonal, and seedy. We have this friend who is very enthusiastic about it, and we think very highly of her. 
and she convinced us to give it a try. But the idea still didn't exactly feel breezy to them. Leading up to the event, their inner butterflies were flapping wildly. I was very nervous because I never pushed myself outside of my comfort zone to that extent before going to a random house with a bunch of strangers. And in my head, I was like, I'm going to see some strangers having sex today. And that's going to be the norm. I was also very stressed out as far as what I was going to wear. In my mind, I wanted to wear a cocktail dress because I I had no intention of really engaging too much. I, I wanted to be more of an observer. And I was happy to watch Mike interact with his friend that also went with us and also see him engage with with others as well. And yeah, when I couldn't really find a cocktail dress, I started freaking out and I was talking to Mike and I told him I can't really find anything. I might just have to wear lingerie because like I know <laughs> that it's going to fit me and it's going to look good. And he was just like, yeah, that's totally fine. There's going to be other women there that are probably not going to be wearing anything. <laughs> so yes, yeah, as, as much as that was a very overwhelming thought for me, I eventually was, you know, came to terms with, okay, I'm, I'm going to wear lingerie and I'll wear a robe and Yes, it'll be a little revealing, but I'll have something to cover me to kind of make me feel a bit more at ease. Lisa went with a bustier. You know, you have like the cups, but then there's like a little bit of fabric right below. Essentially like a corset, but but shorter. I also wore some underwear that, you know, weren't too revealing, but had a fun little crisscross pattern in the back. And um, it was an emerald green. I wanted to pick something else other than black and red to kind of, I guess, feel a little bit more sexy and stand out a little bit more. The dress code at Bocanegra Club for men is either a suit or a tux. Mike chose a suit, and he bought a special masquerade mask to wear with it. The night of the event at the club arrived, and those butterflies were still flapping. Going up to the house actually to check in. I was, I was very, very nervous and to the point where I was like shaking and Mike was checking in with me and, you know, trying to, to be there for me to calm me down. I was very nervous as well. And I was also shaking. I think it was nervousness around being in a totally different type of context for exploration of sex. We've done a lot of exploration one-on-one. We've done a lot of exploration in groups of four, in home settings. But I think the idea of going to an upscale masquerade in a very nice, very large home in Hollywood, and there being 60 to 70, or maybe, I don't know how many people were there total in the end, maybe 100 people present. I've never done anything like that in my entire life. Like, I'm going in with a very sex-positive and friendly attitude, but am I going to be rejected? Am I going to try to engage with someone new? And am I going to be rejected from that? The fear of, is this going to be my place? Are these going to be my people? I think there was a possibility that we were going to show up there and we were going to say, whoa, this is not our scene. Spoiler, it totally was their scene. 
But yeah, once we got through the check-in process and the coat check-in and everything like that, I started to ease into it a bit and we had a bit of wine and that kind of helped calm my nerves and I was able to relax a bit and actually enjoy just being in a in a space with people that felt the same way in a sense, you know, some nervousness, some anxiousness, but also a sense of excitement to be at a, at a party that was very sexy and open-minded and very low pressure. For all intents and purposes, they said, the event felt like a normal upscale house party at first. Security at the front door, where you have to show your tickets. The coat check, Lisa mentioned. There were people lounging around outside the jacuzzi, dipping their feet in. People standing in couples or small groups in the backyard, on the lawn. Others sort of wandering through the house. So for the first segment of the evening, it was us walking around with our drinks, exploring the house and chatting with new people. Everyone there that we talked to was very friendly and very sex positive. Lisa told me that she often leans on Mike to approach people. She doesn't feel like she's great at approaching strangers and starting up conversations. But as Mike mentioned, everybody there was pretty nice. So it was very easy to just go up to someone and be like, hi, my name is so-and-so. Nice to meet you. What's your name? Kind of ask how, how, how they ended up there. <laughs> and yeah, some people were just like, oh yeah, my friend invited me this morning. And she was like, don't worry, we got you on your mask and we're going to go. And for me, it was very like eye-opening, like, oh my gosh, there are some people that just throw themselves into the deep end and they're okay with it. And here they are. And they seem totally at ease and comfortable with where they are. And so I was like, in my head, it was like, oh my gosh, I, I created all this anxiety for myself by just getting too in my head. And like, in some ways, like being a, a bit insecure, like Mike was saying, do I belong here? <laughs> But having someone like Mike there or, and even our friend, it was easy to just kind of go into conversation to put my mind at ease and just get to know people like on a personal level. Um, I feel like at the end of the day, if I could do that, then I would be okay. And after maybe about a half hour of drinks and chatting with people that we were meeting, we felt like we were ready to go back upstairs to the master bedroom and start getting ready to play, start getting ready to have sex. So they went up to the master bedroom. When they toured the house earlier, no one was having sex anywhere. Now, in the bedroom, they came upon four people on the bed having sex, and others standing nearby, chatting. Some with their eyes on the folks having sex. I remember distinctly there was a couple in the corner where a man was sitting in a chair receiving a blowjob from a woman. It was pretty easy sitting down on that bed and sort of like starting to have our own threesome. Mike knew his friend and he had given me a bit of her backstory and what she was interested in. It was, like he had said, very easy for us to kind of just transition into engaging with each other and making out. And at a certain point, I asked Lisa and our date, I, I sort of whispered into each of their ears, do you feel comfortable joining these other four people in, in an orgy? 
Both of them said, yeah, I feel good about that. Mike turned to the four people and said, hey, how do you feel about joining us and having an orgy right now? And they said, yeah, let's do it. So we just sort of joined with them and melted into one big group. In our group of three, that was all of our first real official orgy. And at that point, it was like all of the nervousness was out of the window. We were in group sex mode, which is a a headspace that we're pretty familiar with at this point. We're ready to have a good time. There's no more inhibition. I was taking a bit more of a backseat. Like I was good with kissing and, and touching and caressing. I think just being on the bed with a bunch of strangers, I thought it would be funny to just like look over to the other guy. And I was like, hey, do you mind if I kiss you? Like You look like a friendly guy. <laughs> um, and then we just started kissing and making out. And what I really enjoyed about that was just how inviting everybody was and accepting everybody was. So that went on for a while. I know I came during that orgy. I hope that a lot of other people who were involved in that seven-person orgy also came. It really started with a bang. Lisa and Mike not only had an incredible time, but they learned about themselves. One of the takeaways for me was breaking through this idea that I have a strong preference for intimacy with strictly with people that I've built rapport with. It's hard for me to get aroused if I'm not with someone that I know to some extent and somewhat intimately and have some rapport with. I think in a lot of ways, I do love having those connections, but what I really discovered at this party for myself, like in that first orgy experience, you know, getting one of the best blowjobs for my life from a woman that I don't know her name, I didn't catch her name, and she swallowed my cum, and like, and I, it was a really wonderful sexual moment, and I realized from that experience and numerous other experiences throughout that evening, oh, I have this sexual side of myself that I didn't realize that it was there, that I can connect sexually in a very different way with someone than I, than I thought was one of the only ways that I could connect sexually with people. So that was very eye-opening for me, like opening up a whole new layer of sexuality at this moment in my life. Uh, one thing that I really enjoyed is just connecting with people that think similarly and have similar mindsets. Um, because I feel like the more authentic we are, the easier it is for us as human beings to connect. And that's something that I've been focusing on a, a lot this past year is just making genuine, authentic connections without putting any pressure or ex- expectations on those connections. When I, when I do that myself, I gain a lot more from meeting people. And yeah, just being in this setting where there's just no judgment. It's easy to just kind of strike up conversations with people and you can walk away with making, you know, a new connection that you might not have necessarily made had you not attended something like this. So 
um, for me, it was a, a testament to like remind myself if I ever feel anxious about attending an event like this again, or maybe stepping out of my comfort zone is just kind of looking at this experience and being able to remind myself of how fulfilling it was. Another thing that I took away was that I really enjoy being flogged. <laughs> and I, I'm not particularly one to, to like to draw attention to myself, but there was one instant in the evening where Mike's friend who had invited us to this event um, was flogging others. And I turned to his friend and I was just like, hey, do you want to go up there and get flogged with me? And she was totally up for it. I think when I was in that moment, I kind of forgot about everybody else that was at that party. And I was just enjoying that experience for what it was. You got to really build that picture. You were <laughs> the center of attention of the whole party, I would say, for that. He said that everyone in the backyard watched as Lisa took that flogging. Yeah, and it was weird because I didn't feel that. She said it felt like her own private moment which is sort of analogous to the whole party experience for Lisa, I think. Her nervousness fell away as her authentic desires and connections set in. <sighs> With the world opening up more and vaccinations increasing, some folks are setting their sights on new sexual adventures. If you are among them and considering going to a sex party for the first time at some point, Mike said his top advice is to go in with zero expectations. Which I, I didn't have any expectations per se going in, but I did have hopes. But I think going into experiences like that, having no expectations and so just saying, I'm going to go there and I'm going to see what it's like. I might even show up and I might not feel comfortable there in the first half hour. And that's OK if I just want to leave after that. He also recommends having a conversation about that with whoever you plan to attend with, assuring each other that you can all choose to stay or leave at any time. At the same time, he suggests staying open to and discussing any particular desires you might have. Thinking about what kind of fantasy do I have, and I want to be open-minded to that fantasy becoming a reality in this particular setting. You know, you've talked out, what are you open to this evening? Are you open to play with other people? Are you open to like helping me fulfill this particular fantasy? Do you have a particular fantasy that you would like to fulfill if, it, if it's possible? And just being able to support each other and have sort of like a roadmap of where you would like the evening to go. Lisa shared similar advice with a focus on you being in the driver's seat for your own experience know that it, it's okay to, to not engage at all. If you want to just be out on the lawn by the jacuzzi, dipping your feet in, sipping on a cocktail or some wine, then more power to you if you just want to enjoy the conversation with people. And then you get to decide your level of comfort if you want to go inside to engage or watch. Just allowing yourself to push yourself out of your comfort zone at your own pace is what I would recommend and suggest. A lot of hesitations that both Mike and I have heard was like, oh, I'm not ready, or I'm very shy. And that's a bit much for me. And it was definitely a bit much for me, a soft-spoken <laughs> lady. I feel like society tells us that we can't be those sexual beings and stuff like that. So maybe like that's kind of what's holding some people back is this 
shame-based feeling. But yeah, you just kind of sometimes got to rip the Band-Aid off and push yourself a little bit and get your toes wet in that environment. You are the driver and you get to decide how much or how little, little you want to engage. Lisa and Mike emphasized how low pressure the party was and how pleased they were with how respectful folks were about communication and consent. And while they can't speak to other sex clubs, there was nothing remotely seedy about this experience. They felt safe enough to let loose and have a great time. If you'd like to learn more about the club they partied at in Los Angeles, visit bocanegraclub.com. Okay, so what if you are feeling curious or adventurous, but parties aren't your thing, in general or because of COVID? Enter Erotic Recess, something a group of women from around the world have been enjoying for self-discovery, acceptance, friendship, and plentiful orgasms. Oh. Rin Pfeiffer has been writing about sex and relationships for the past 23 years, for everyone from Playboy to Washington Post to Men's Health, and she is continually pushing the narrative that pleasure is our right. That's at the core of most everything she does, including sex work, which she added to the mix over the past two years. Several years ago, she worked with the late and great Betty Dodson, who is famously known as the mother of masturbation. Rin was living in Seattle at the time, and she flew to New York City to join a group of 12 women in Betty's apartment for a two-day workshop called Body Sex. Betty ran these workshops for over 25 years. According to her book, Body Sex Basics, co-written with her business partner, Carlin Ross, the workshops grew out of the consciousness-raising groups started by feminists in the 1970s. The groups focus on overcoming poor body image and anxiety around sexual pleasure, and attendees participate completely naked. Rin attended as a journalist, and she went in thinking she knew a lot about her body and pleasure and orgasms, and she walked out with her mind blown. To give you an idea of the activities, she witnessed a woman in her 40s experience her first orgasm. Rin called that one of her most humbling experiences. Little did she know going in that these women and the practice of masturbating in tandem would become profoundly meaningful in her life and end up helping her through the pandemic. It all started in 2017 with the start of annual trips centered around Betty's birthday. Every summer for the past few summers before the pandemic, a group of about 40 women and I would get together and go to upstate New York for Betty. And it was at a Dalai Lama retreat camp. Upon arrival, the staff would say, we don't have any meat or alcohol or drugs, to which the women would reply. We're like, we need meat on the menu. Uh, we're bringing drugs. There's alcohol. Like we just like, we kind of all went off the rails in like the very best of ways. And they loved our group so much. <laughs> like they were like, we love it when you come back. Like you're the best group that's been here. And I'm like, 
yes, because we're all just having orgasms all day long for a week. Like, of course, we're nice, (laughs) you know? Yes, the body sex activities continued. Rin called the trips a really beautiful bonding experience. A few years in, though, the pandemic hit, and they realized there would be no in-person circles, not in Betty's apartment or the retreat camp. Around the same time, 90-year-old Betty's health started to really fail. She knew she was nearing the end of her life. Really, like the first few weeks of the pandemic, we all hopped on a Zoom call together just to check in and see how everyone was doing. Twenty-some women from nine different countries joined the call. And what started as just a check-in to make sure everyone was okay turned into, why don't we do erotic recess every week? It's basically like a masturbation recess for consenting adults. (laughs) In the past, it was in person. And we thought, hey, we could do this over Zoom. And so every Sunday since the beginning of the pandemic, I think we're probably like the hottest thing going on on Zoom because it's just a group of women from all over the world. They call in from like their bathtub or their living room or some people have had to call in from their cars because the kids were awake. And so everybody just calls in from wherever and shares as much or as little as they would like. But it's just been this incredibly bonding thing to have during this time when there has been so much uncertainty. Rin said the world can go off the rails Monday through Saturday, but she knows she has that one hour on Sundays where she gets to bond with people in an intimate, vulnerable way. It plays out like this. A few days before erotic recess happens, the Zoom link goes out. So of course I get that and I get giddy about it because I know that It really is the most exciting thing on the calendar all week. Then, once Sunday arrives, she has a leisurely morning. She turns off her devices, and she creates an intentional space for the hour. And so what that looks like for me is I will light a candle. I will pick out which sex toys that I want to use that day. And sometimes it's, you know, old faithfuls like a wand and you know, a glass dildo. And I usually pick about five favorites. And I usually set it up in my living room on my coffee table. Along with a towel, tissues, lube, and something to drink, usually water or a cup of tea. This past Sunday was the one-year anniversary of Betty's death. So everyone pretty much had a glass of champagne because that was her favorite. I usually take a photo of myself beforehand to show what I look like before I've had multiple orgasms because I really think it's important to show what real pleasure looks like. And I celebrate that. She also celebrates by sharing her before and after photos on social media. And if she misses one, she gets DMs from people. Depending on her mood, she might be wearing a robe or sexy lingerie. Everybody kind of brings something meet to the table like there's one woman who shows up every week in some manner of rope harness and it's so beautiful and everybody kind of just shows up where they're at and what they're feeling that day then when it's time to start we all log on to the call people kind of come and go because people are calling in from so many different time zones you know there's 
somebody calling in from Israel and it's 11 p.m. their time. I kind of feel like I lucked out being on the West Coast because it's the middle of my day. For about 15 minutes, they all check in with each other. How have you been? What's going on with your week? And then, you know, Carlin leads the group. And at that point, people, if you're closed, tend to take off your shirts or tops or bras or whatever you're wearing and get undressed. The beautiful thing about it is it's really, if you don't want to have your video on, that's fine. If you don't want to have your audio on, that's fine. It's just show up however you're feeling. So if you feel like having the Zoom camera like right on your vulva, that's great. You know, and if you want to be like shadowy under your sheets, that's okay too. There's no pressure to be performative in any way. It's just kind of like, hey, just do what feels good for you. And then at that point, we do some uh, breathing exercises. We do a thing called the breath of fire, which is one of Betty's things that she was really into. And it's basically you sit straight up and you do these very short, hard breaths out of your nose. It's almost like snorting (laughs) in a way. It kind of invigorates your system. And then we do a thing just running through our chakras with a vibe for your hand. And it's everything from your root chakra up to your head and back down. And it's very intentional and slow to kind of just get you centered in your body. And then after that, Carlin's just like, all right, everybody, it's erotic recess. Go. At that point, people just use whatever toy they're feeling like. Some people sit and watch for a little bit. It's really whatever feels good for you in that moment. It's really magical to be a part of that and to see. I'm amazed. Like I've been coming with these women for almost two years now, every week. I can close my eyes and tell you exactly who's having an orgasm at any moment just by their sounds. And that is one of the most beautiful ways to know your friends, you know? What's been interesting for me is because we we very much hype girl each other on. I hate that word, but it's true. It's like we're like cheering each other on during where like if one person's getting close to an orgasm, we're like, come on, you can do it. Like you're so close. You look so beautiful. Like, and then when they do, we're like, yeah, that was so gorgeous. Your feet came off the bed. That looks great. We're just like rooting on each other's orgasms. But for me, hearing how other people experience pleasure has encouraged me to try other things where people are like, hey, you know what? Like this week, I've been really into touching my perineum and using this toy in my butt. And so I'm like, oh yeah, let me try that. And so it feels like a very safe place for me to try new things with myself uh, without judgment. And it's just, it's, it's kind of like this pleasure think tank in almost some ways. It's like, yes, we're all enjoying each other and it's super hot, but it's also, we're all bouncing ideas off each other where, you know, talking about sexual experiences we've had during the week or, you know, like, hey, I was masturbating and this new thing came up for me. Has anyone else had this? You mentioned that this takes courage and that you applaud anyone new who's joined in. What about for folks who aren't interested in group masturbation, but they'd still like to benefit from something similar on their own? Because it seems like the ritual piece is really big. It is the ritual piece. You're so right. And I feel like it could be replicated in a solo capacity. It's really pretty simple, actually. It's really just dedicating some time for yourself and with yourself without any pressure. I mean, 
orgasms are very nice and all, but at the end of the day, it's really about setting some time aside for yourself. It's just really having that intentional time with yourself and your body and whatever feels good. Anybody could say, Hey, I'm going to set aside an hour. I'm going to create an intentional space, whatever that looks like for them. It could be music. It could be, you know, your favorite pajamas. It could be candles, whatever that is that makes you feel cozy and cared for. You can create that space. Especially as women, we're so go, 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 go that to take time to just indulge in our pleasure is just not something a lot of people do. And it's so important. And so if you take that time and say, I'm going to spend 45 minutes touching myself, you know, even without the end goal of orgasm, just to feel good, you know, a vulva massage feels really good. (laughs) Touching your breasts feels really good. There's so many things that you can do to connect with yourself. And I think that's the most important takeaway from that. And I think anybody can do that. Everyone I have talked to who ever met Betty Dodson, the mother of masturbation, glows when speaking about her. Betty really left an impression on everyone who crossed her path. Rin is no exception. Betty was unbelievable. Just such a powerful force of a human being in such a tiny human. And she spoke her mind and gave zero fucks about anything. And just, she didn't sugarcoat anything. And I love that about her. She just told it to you straight. The first time I met her at Body Sex, there's a part of it that is called genital show and tell. And you sit down, she's got her arm around you. And there's a mirror between your legs and a light. And she's basically describing your vulva your pubic hair and what it looks like in the color and the shape and all this. And I sat down. I was like rocking full bush at the time. Betty took one look and said, if that thing could have teeth, it would. It's so feral and it's so fierce. Rin just busted out laughing. I just remember sitting in that circle later that day and making eye contact with her as I was masturbating on all fours and her making eye contact and just going, that is so fucking hot. And she just said her mind and just lived life. I love that about her. You know, if she wanted to drink champagne in the afternoon, she drank champagne in the afternoon. If she just did her own thing. After Betty passed away on Halloween of 2020, Rin was gifted some of her jewelry. Wrist cuffs Rin described as Wonder Woman-esque and a choker that Betty apparently wore to all the queer bars in Manhattan back in the 80s. When I was in New York City in June at a sex club, I wore that channeling Betty, and I felt powerful. (laughs) I was like, she's right here with me. She really just pushed the envelope at every turn where people were like, no, we don't want to hear women talk about pleasure. And she was like, yes, we are going to liberate orgasms and pleasure. And I just have so much respect that she did not give up and did not back down to all the naysayers because there were a lot of people that did not want to hear what she had to say. And thanks to her legacy, all she has left, her research, her writing, her programs, and people like Rin, Betty's business partner Carlin, and everyone who continues to celebrate her work, that envelope pushing continues. The erotic recess practices alone keep on making waves and impacting people who participate 
or even hear about them. In Rin's case, she's really learned a lot about intimacy and connection. It's knowing people on this just like whole other level of intimacy that I don't know my other friends on. It's stretched my imagination of what bonds can be and, you know, platonic bonds. I'm polyamorous, so there's a lot of different people in my life that, you know, the definitions of how they fit into my life are all over the map. This redefined what some friendships and contacts can look like to you. And so that's been really important to me. And then also it's just really deepened my connection to my own body, just setting aside this time every week. I remember driving cross country last September and stopping in gas stations across the country during the trip. And I'm like, I can't be like creepy in the car masturbating, but I'm also not going to miss this this week. So how do I, how do I set up, you know, the car visor and set this up and I'm on the down low. And so it's really just been this, it's been this thing that has kept me afloat in so many ways. I mean, I know we're still in the pandemic, but it's something that I think we all thought would stop at some point. And we're like, no, let's just, this is important and let's keep doing it. And even though we all have very busy lives, everyone is still prioritizing this time with one another and their pleasure. And that is, that's so, so amazing to me. Learn more about Rin and her work by following her on Instagram at Rin underscore says. You can also work with her and chat all things sex, queerness, kink, or polyamory with her at sextpanther.com slash R-Y-N. If you would like to plan your own at-home self-pleasure rituals of sorts, head to thepleasurechest.com to stock up on sensual goodies from lube and toys to massage candles. They also have this awesome velvety throw by Fascinator that you can play on. Right now, the Pleasure Chest is celebrating Men's Health Awareness Month with a featured collection of prostate-pleasing toys for you or a partner. To check it all out, head to thepleasurechest.com or click the link down in the show notes. We will wrap up today with Dr. Megan Fleming's Pleasure Picks for November. It's hard to believe that the holiday season is already upon us. That said, it's the perfect time of year to be thinking about the one or many special people in your life that you'd like to celebrate. Holidays offer us the opportunity to give gifts that keep giving all year long. And you know I'm talking about gifts that give pleasure all year long. So for November's Pleasure Picks, I'm recommending gifts of explicit sex education. We all know that porn is a horrible sex educator, but most of us don't know where to go to get great science-backed explicit sex education. Seriously, your age or length of time in your relationship doesn't matter. We can all, always in my mind, be adding new pleasure tools to our toolbox. Oh My God Yes and Sex Hacker Pro are my two favorite go-to recommendations for taking your knowledge and skills to the next level. My first pleasure pick is Oh My God Yes. Based on scientific studies of over 20,000 women ages 18 to 95 in partnership with Indiana University and the Kinsey Institute, Oh My God Yes provides 60 short videos, dozens of infographics, and more importantly, touchable simulations of 12 
practical pleasuring techniques. Oh My God Yes takes sex education to the next level as you get to hear and watch women demonstrate their favorite techniques. So I can assure you, this is a perfect way to expand your pleasure horizons either on your own or with a partner. My second pleasure pick is Sex Hacker Pro. This is a course that's all about the art and science of optimizing sexual experience and pleasure. It was developed by Kenneth Play, who's been named the world's greatest sex hacker by GQ and Men's Health. And this course features over 70 videos covering nine modules and over 12 hours of content. In this course, you'll learn the 20% of the skills that are the most useful, impactful, and unforgettable and gain over 50 technical skills. Plus, and this is an important one, the ability to sense the emotional state of your partner and most importantly, how to adapt when things aren't working. I can't say enough about the value of this course and for the holiday season, you can get 50% off by using the code 50% off at checkout. So for more information on these courses and previous month's pleasure picks, go to my website, greatlifegreatsex.com forward slash pleasure picks. Until next month, here's to your pleasure. Thanks so much, Dr. Megan. Those ideas are so tantalizing. If you are enjoying Girl Boner Radio, please make sure you have hit the follow button on your podcast app, wherever you're listening, so that you will never miss a beat. You can also show support with a rating and review and sign up for very occasional email updates from me at girlboner.org. To find out what listeners who completed my sexual desires and curiosity surveys think of sex parties and much more, join me on Patreon, patreon.com slash girlboner. Lastly, I will not be releasing an episode next week, which is bittersweet, but we all sometimes need a break. It makes it a great time for you all to catch up on any episodes you've missed, listen again to some of your favorites. More importantly, have a meaningful holiday week and weekend, at least here in the U.S., no matter how you spend it. Thank you so much for listening and keep embracing those girl boners.